0: Building Better relationships at home and at work for people who have more than enough on their plate. Two coaches dangling the possibility of finding joy in your relationships. Do you dare to consider life can be better? Have a listen and tell us why.
1: Welcome to Building Better Relationships with Angela and Patty. In this episode, Angela and Patty will be discussing a topic request from a listener how to get along with your teenager. Hi, Angela. How's it going?
0: Hi, Patty. It's going great. Interesting topic. <laughs> yes,
1: a very interesting topic. So, I was thinking about let's self-reflect back to when we were teenagers. Yes, I know, I know it was different back then, but we basically still want the same things, right? Yeah. What did you want from your parents? Understanding, someone to listen, unconditional love, being supported, to pursue what you really want in life, What was it? Your teenager probably wants the same.
0: Yeah, instantly when you asked me to refer back to what I was experiencing or what I wanted, um, I had quite strong emotions as a teenager. And I didn't have what you were saying, (laughs) all those things like being supported to pursue what you wanted in life or um, I had a lot of food love but I didn't have unconditional love so and I also with the strong emotions had depression and I had isolation so a lot of teenagers can have moods and strong emotions some of them actually need a lot of support from their peers instead of their parents. So for a parent to get along with your teenager, you can actually be at war with them in a way because you're competing with some of the attention that they're getting from their peers and you're not as important as any more. And also you may not as a parent be able to understand the teenager and their needs. I know certainly in my teenage years, my parents, I knew they couldn't understand and the last thing I thought was that they were going to understand. So I didn't go to them for support either. Um, so that piece as well is when when we become teenagers and our peers become more important or equally as important as our parents, sometimes that can create a, a disconnect for parents. So you don't have as much control over your teenager. And in one experience of mine, Patty, I had a client who their teenager became very involved with romantic, pursuing a romantic relationship, obsessed actually, and they started to see the parent as not able to help them with that because you need to go outside of the parent-child relationship to get romantic. So they were constantly seeking attention from um, another teenager or other teenagers until the point where they actually went too far and they actually Mm -hmm. got involved in a teenage romantic connection or wasn't that romantic actually. And the parent had no idea because the parent had lost sort of importance in the relationship and the teen wasn't confiding in the parent any longer. Mm -hmm. So when it went too far, that's when the parent got involved So the boundary is being transgressed (laughs) and the parent got involved. But the first thing that the parent did was say, I want you to know that you did nothing wrong. And in that moment when they said that, I want you to know you did nothing wrong, the teenager actually melted because they realised at that point that the parent was on their side Whereas previously, as a child, they were always in trouble and not always in trouble, but when they got in trouble, the parent would say, don't do that. You did something wrong. You made a mistake. And that was very fearful for the child. But in that moment, the first thing the parent said was, I want you to know you did nothing wrong. The next thing they said was, tell me what happened. But because the parents had said, you did nothing wrong, it really disarmed the team. And from that moment on, the teen began to disclose more and more and more to the parent. And from that point, their whole relationship shifted because the parent really made them feel completely able to be themselves.
1: So the parent actually asked questions and was concerned and was showing that unconditional love.
0: They were demonstrating it. Yeah. Because that is that is unconditional love, isn't it? it sometimes I think we, we might get caught up in this idea that unconditional love is feeling happy or blissful. But actually it's demonstrating through a curiosity and a safe space, an interest in the child's universe or the teen's universe.
1: Yeah, it's, it's showing that you love them and them knowing that you love them and that you're concerned with them and that you want the best for them
0: yeah and you may not understand their world because once they go into teenage they start to create their own universe their own bedroom they might wear clothes that identify them differently to what you knew them as a child they want to be their own identity they're still exploring that so that's a very important phase of their journey Mm -hmm. and as a parent you may feel like you're an outsider at times because that's an important part of their journey to do start doing on their own but in this case with my client if that teen did not have their parents unconditional love at that point they would have gone into a really dark space. The child was already expressing a lot of tantrums or moods or anger, flashes of anger, and those disappeared. That's what was fascinating in that client situation, that the child actually stopped having the anger outbursts because the parent made the child completely free of any guilt or or wrongdoing and then said, tell me what happened uh, so, I found this really interesting, Patty, that um, it was actually Gabor Mate who, who enlightened me to that that some of the problems that we have with teenagers today, which are, are worse today than they were in the past, is that much more uh, of our teens today are hanging out with their peers, their, their, their same age group and creating bonds in that age group versus the bonds between parent and child. Um, So I wanted to, we're going to talk about that more later, what happens when teenagers only hang out with teenagers. But Gabor Mate actually says that that's a real problem in our society today that creates a sickness of isolation. Uh, And as we're recording this, we're going through the isolation due to the virus. So families are being forced to be together and I think parent and teen relationships will also be exacerbated uh, because families are being forced to be together and they can also be enhanced. So one of the things to be aware of with teens is that once a child reaches the age of 12, they need to be started Starting to be treated as an equal while they're also still your child the parent and child dynamic changes once they get to the age of 12 to 18 years so your child is learning how to become your equal yet they're still very much in the child brain so they're learning constantly how they're going to make these rules that will form the rest of their life. And in order to do that, they're going to break the rules, they're going to definitely make mistakes, certainly make mistakes, and they're going to learn how to cooperate with the rules of the whole group. So that's gonna be an awkward process for any human being. Some, Some teenagers don't have any troubles, but a lot of them are going to have to understand things that they weren't forced to understand before the age of 12. So the problem with relating to your teen as a parent becomes how do you become their, their equal <laughs> when you're still in somewhat in charge of the relationship? So we, we came up with the word, Patty, and I came up with the word mentor. So you mentor your child or teen and you treat them with equal respect and you're mentoring them to become a healthy adult, to be part of society and to be an equal contributing member of society. So as an equal contributing member of society, you actually have responsibilities and there are boundaries to your behavior and those boundaries will be created specifically for your family unit. So within your family, you're gonna have boundaries that are necessary, which could be doing certain chores or looking after parts members of the family. And there will be consequences if those boundaries are not met. And everybody needs to know what's acceptable and not acceptable.
1: Right. And once those um, boundaries are established, and if those boundaries are broken, there are consequences and those consequences are followed through through you don't ease up on the consequences you actually follow through on them and you make you make the child or teenager responsible if if they break a boundary and you say okay i'm taking away your online gaming for a week you can't you can't get online and play games for a week because you didn't follow, you didn't follow what the family unit has talked about with the boundaries and the consequences and you don't give in and they will learn how to be accountable if you follow the family unit's guidelines as a family.
0: Yeah, and it's very different in the teen years now with enforcing these boundaries and responsibilities of the teen as well. Giving them some responsibility for the family is really important. Um, In India, where I did my training on healing relationships, they looked at from the age of zero to six that you treat the child as a king who is able to have access to unconditional everything especially your love but also in their needs being met from the years of seven to twelve you start to treat them as a prince or princess where they start to learn from seven to twelve years or even six what are some things that I can start being responsible for And the consequences may not be so strict or so harsh. (laughs) But once they start to get from 12 to 18, those years are key to them learning that if I transgress a responsibility or a boundary is not upheld, there is a consequence. So, for example, from 12 to 18, they may be responsible for a younger sibling. And if they don't look out for the younger sibling... That, that sibling can get hurt or that sibling can feel neglected. And that's really important because that's those years between 12 to 18, they're no longer a prince or princess. They're an equal to you. They're not going to get it right. They need to make mistakes. But to learn through a loving way how to arise above those mistakes so this is really important, the next piece, about how we think about teenagers is really important because this is what happened to me. Um, and it's not saying that my parents were bad, but I, a lot of the times my mum was disappointed with her own life. So she would dis- be disappointed in me, for example, if I didn't take in the washing. <laughs> I remember she would come home and you'd see the clothes. We In Australia, we hang the clothes outside on the line to dry and we still do that we're we're not a big um, dryer type community here because the electricity is too expensive I never I can never to this day my mum's passed on but I still remember her disregard of me when she'd come home after working all day and the clothes were still on the line and it was really disheartening because You can imagine the next time I'd have to be told to go out and take the clothes in, I'd be resentful because my mum was like, oh, you didn't take out the clothes in. So I'd be really (laughs) resentful the next time. And that accumulates to a feeling of I'm disappointing to my mum. So whenever you think these disappointing thoughts actually do affect your loved ones, and it's really important to not be disappointed in your teenager So one thing you can do, because it is really frustrating as a parent when our teens don't do the chores that we require and ask them to do, because we're doing a lot for them already and we're only only just asking them to take in the clothes, right? So what you can say is, look, I love you, but I really don't like your behaviour. And it's it's a simple way to perhaps get out some of your frustration, but reinforce that you love them, I don't like your behavior. And um, I want to share a very strategic way of doing this, which comes from the coaching group uh, Vital Smarts. They've got a book called Crucial Conversations. And they use these five steps with all sorts of problematic situations when you need to have a conversation, particularly with teenagers. It's uh, very successful because often we get frustrated with a teen and it's very easy to, to dump your rage on a teenager, especially when you've done a lot for them for the first part of their lives. And now when they're a teenager, you might want them to start contributing. So you start to go, ah, what do I do to get this teenager to do something? So in Crucial Conversations, what they suggest is to start by connecting to your heart which believe me I know it's very difficult when you're frustrated so the five steps are to eventually get you to connect more to your heart so Penny yeah this is really challenging yeah
1: (laughs) yeah yeah especially when you're in the heat of the moment and you're angry you have to walk away and not confront your teenager until you've calmed down I And that is very hard, whether you have to go take a walk or just go into your room and shut the door and do some breathing exercises. Just get yourself calm before you walk in there and um, talk about what's happening or what happened, the behavior. It's easy to get caught up in the moment of being upset or angry or disappointed but it's really better if you can calm yourself down before you do the actual discussion. Believe me I've done the opposite and it wasn't the best thing.
0: Yeah and if you do explode it's it's also about owning to your teen and just saying, "Look, I'm sorry that I exploded, and this is how we're going to move forward."
1: Right. And as a parent, you do need to say sorry at times. You do need to apologize when when you are in the wrong, and that teaches your children also that it's okay to say sorry. It's okay to be uh, a human being and be compassionate and kind. Yeah. We don't really hear, hear that anymore. People don't say sorry when they've done something wrong to somebody else. And it starts at home. And if a parent can say, I don't like the behavior, but I love you, and I'm sorry for my approach or how I came across after it's all over. I th- think the, the child or the teenager will know that you what that wasn't how you wanted it to end, wasn't how you wanted it the conversation to happen or um, you want so much more in the relationship than something like that.
0: Yeah. And uh, we're going to do a future podcast on uh, making mistakes and getting over it because our culture is raised that mistakes are a bad thing. And they're actually quite human, I hope, during these times of the COVID experience that we're starting to learn that mistakes are a part of learning to be better. We're seeing countries and governments make them. So we, we in our families, need to learn as well how to recover from our mistakes. Um, so the five steps from Crucial Conversations are to help you get through some of that steam that you might be feeling from, from not having your team being so um, cooperative or actually from you not being able to (laughs) empathize with your team's universe.
1: And, and it's so important. Like you said, Angela, start with your heart. You need to get yourself centered and, and calm before you walk in there because you don't know how your teen is going to react to you. So it's real important to do your number one,
0: start with your heart. And the next four steps after you've started with your heart will be questions. So you can journal on these and you, the writing will help you actually externalize some of the answers to the questions. It's important to write because you get the will help you to get some of the energy out of your body, especially if there's emotions uh, around these these behaviors that you wish to be different for you and your teenager. So step two, the question is to ask yourself, what do you Want for the relationship? And in this step, just freestyle your writing. What do you want for the relationship? Not the behaviour. What do you want for the relationship? Around this situation, this behaviour. What do you want for the relationship? Step three is to ask yourself... What do you want for your teen, your teenager? What do you want for your teen, the other person? What do you want for them? And step four, you ask yourself, what do you want for you personally? What do you want for you So by step four, you've, in step two, you've covered the relationship. In step three, you've covered the other person or the teenager. In step four, you get to yourself. What do you want for you? And the final question you ask, what is the greatest possible outcome for the relationship around this situation or this boundary that you're creating? What is the greatest possible outcome for the relationship? So in the four questions from step two to five, what we're doing is we're getting you to consider the relationship. Usually in step two, we we still might be in our emotions. But by the time we then start to look at the other person, what we want for them and what we want for ourselves, you're starting to see the relationship from different points of view. And by the last question, what what could be the greatest possible outcome? We're trying to weave together everything that we want from our point of view, from the teenager's point of view, and from the best possible outcome for this relationship. By the time we've asked these questions several times, we're getting to different layers of what's possible so you can incorporate all of those different insights into the greatest possible outcome for the relationship. And the questions are key here because that's how you're going to then be able to communicate with your teenager from a much more holistic point of view because you've actually started to think about the situation and the boundary that you would like everybody to get involved with. Rather than just, in my day, my parents would say, make sure before mum would go to work, don't forget to take in the washing. (laughs) Which is really I think it's simple, you know, it made sense now when I think about it. I, I completely understand my mother. But at the time I just wanted to watch TV and have fun while she was at work. I didn't get it. I didn't care. Um but once you go through this question process, you can start to really communicate in a different way to the teenager. And you can come from your heart, and the teenager will feel that. They won't feel so much that you're just wanting them to do something that you want them to do Um, and the key is really going back to when you do that conversation about say for example taking in the washing or doing a chore if you're going to come up with a boundary and a consequence to the child or teenager not enforcing uh, uh, respecting that, that boundary You do need to see it as a deal, like going back to what Patty was sharing earlier about if the washing is not done or taking in of the clothes, then you lose one day of your gaming device. There has to be some sort of exchange or a deal, and that's when we begin to then treat the teen as an equal. It's a deal here that we've got. In the the book Crucial Conversations, they give an example of a parent with a teen who uses the car. So if the teen does not have the car back by 11 o'clock at night, then the keys of the car get taken away. It's that simple. And that's the exchange. Then they start to begin to realise that with every boundary, this is a deal. It's It's a relationship and we have an agreement and this is a deal that we're setting up as part of the agreement. Did you have any other thoughts on that,
1: Patty? Yeah, I, I think asking questions and finding out from the teenager what was their thought process of why they broke the boundary and them talk it through themselves. Sometimes they'll even say, well, I know that um, I'm going to have consequences for this. And they might actually be the ones that put a harsher consequence than what you were thinking of doing because they know that they, they broke the boundary and they need to be accountable.
0: Wow. So that's actually encouraging them to be their own, um, their own assessor of their behavior. They, they can evaluate their behavior.
1: Yes. Mm. They can evaluate it and think, okay, what my consequences are going to be and then you talk about it. And sometimes if it's up to them, they're much harsher on themselves than you would have been.
0: And they actually want that challenge.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of talk these days about this generation or that generation being more entitled. Um, but partly it's because we're not giving those generations or those people opportunities to evaluate themselves and to set bars or goals or consequences of their behaviours. And... Um, Interesting that sometimes they may be harsher than we might be, <laughs>
1: right? Yeah, that is interesting. <laughs> very different to um, my parents,
0: who were quite strict but weren't good at enforcing consequences. But their this their conditional love was quite scary, and I did a lot of things out of fear, and then I didn't do things out of resentment. So if we talk to teens and give them the responsibility of creating their own consequences, it's very similar to some gaming apps, actually, uh, where they lose points if they don't achieve certain outcomes. And we're teaching them that they can actually create those consequences, um, which is also different to school, where the teacher is the one that marks their behaviour. They actually start to assess their own behaviour, and as a parent you can engage in a conversation about their self-evaluation. Right. So touching on the differences between uh, generations, (laughs) (laughs) uh, there are some things that might be different to what uh, teens are experiencing these days, Patty. What do you see as what's similar similar um, similar problems and different problems that teenagers may be experienced to what we experienced well
1: different when we were young we didn't have the internet or online gaming addiction and right now that is one of the th- The things that our children and teenagers and us adults are facing right now is the Internet internet and online gaming. It's important for parents to realize how much time their children are online and when they are engaged in social networking, gaming, posting videos and pictures, texting, etc., they could think that they're on there for an hour but they've been on there for six hours trying to control your teenagers online use such as gaming often leads to conflict and an increased desire for the children to use the devices even more this is the time for an agreement online using your boundary conversations between the parent and the teenagers or the children's online usage so as a family you come up with an agreeable okay you can do two hours of online activity you can play your video game for an hour before bedtime And stick to those rules and be consistent. Now, another thing is online bullying, cyberbullying. We we didn't have that when we were kids. We did have in-person bullying, but we didn't have the online bullying because it wasn't invented yet. However, we did have the person bullying us at school or in the neighborhood, but cyberbullying or online bullying has become a problem, and it's increasing among preteens, teenagers, and college-age students. And the statistics say that girls are more likely than boys to be cyberbullies, which I found very surprising, not knowing much about cyberbullying, but that happens,
0: yeah we did a previous podcast uh patty called beyond comparison where we looked at social media as a part of modern culture that's forcing us to compare too much and we get lost in that comparison and we forget how to go beyond that or we've lost the ability to go beyond comparing ourselves and i In that podcast, I talk about how to use your mind more creatively, the comparative part of the mind. And unfortunately, because teenage girls are much more into comparing through the social media and through the visual ones like Instagram and uh, TikTok too, I think, um, they get stuck in the image more than boys. Boys traditionally are much more into gaming and they tend to be more cooperative because the games themselves about working in teams, whereas the girls tend to go into more comparing of the visual and the image of the girl or the self, and then they go into being bitches and really <laughs> awful. Um, and the negative aspect, yeah, so unfortunately that's why the girls are into more of that bullying um,
1: Yeah, and cyberbullying has been linked to leading to suicide of the victims being bullied. It is important for children and teens to feel comfortable to come to their parents and tell them what's going on. And according to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention Leading Cause of Death reports in 2017, It stated that suicide was the 10th leading cause of death overall in the United States. And suicide was the second leading cause of death among individuals between 10 and 34. This just breaks my heart. I can't even imagine somebody so young taking their life. It just totally breaks my heart and then the fourth leading cause of death among individuals between the ages of 35
0: and 54 yeah it's um it's pretty shocking that it's such a young age that it's yeah. such a high cause of death um and there's some research as well in australia um where unfortunately if suicide happens within a community and this has also happened in Silicon Valley with young people it becomes an option for the young mind it does also for older people as well but if you think about a younger person's mind they're going to look at what their peers are doing so unfortunately if your peers are doing suicide it can spread amongst other teens so it's very important if your teenager has a, an, a friend or they know someone who's not a friend that's committed suicide that you have some conversation about that with them so you can prevent the peer um, spread of doing yes that.
1: Yes, it needs to be talked about. It, it's something that used to be taboo yeah. and people didn't talk about, but it needs to be talked about because... It, it's skyrocketing, and and, and, we need, and it needs to be stopped. Also in the statistics, it said young males are more, much more likely to commit suicide than their female peers. But females, adolescents, are more likely to attempt suicide than their male peers. And that's, this is a cry out for help. For more information about suicide prevention, check out the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline website or call 1-800-273-8255. We will have the National Suicide Prevention website link in our show
0: notes. And for those in Australia, there's an excellent website for teens for youth and their parents so this is youth is specifically teenagers and up but it may be good for people who are younger than 12 as well if you want to go to reachout.com it's r e a c h o u t.com it's an excellent site for international use as well not just australians it has ex- ex- excellent examples of Topics around youth issues and how to talk to your youth. You can go to the website if you are a teenager so they can use it independently of the adults. And as a parent, you can go to the website and look at how do I talk about certain topics with my child. And it's got a lot of free advice. Um, and also, there's a hotline on the reachout.com website if you want to get help. And in Australia, there's also lifeline.org.au. For, there's a free hotline on lifeline.org.au.
1: If you're feeling sad or contemplating suicide, please reach out. Reach out to others. Reach out to the National Suicide Prevention Line. They have people that deal with this topic and can help
0: yeah it's an important effort for those in isolation if you're during um, isolation for the virus to really start to take advantage of your time at home to use the internet to get help because some people are stuck in situations that may not be for you but there are so many online resources these days and reachout.org has really inspired me for their information that's available
1: and also use Angela's five steps anytime that you're feeling overwhelmed or anxious or in conflict it will make a difference I wanted to do a shout out to Angela because she has a new podcast and it's called The Love Oracle and it's on Anchor. Check it out and we'll have it in the show notes as well.
0: Thanks, Patty.
1: Thank you, Angela.
0: Thank you for listening to Building Better Relationships with Angela and Patty. Send us a message and please like or share the podcast or donate with the Anchor Donate button. We really value your feedback.